0: Come to you. your
1: God of heaven and earth, we come before your holy presence in the name of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, who died on the cross for me. As we enter today's message, we ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to take it and make it real. Make the message real, not only for me, but for whomever you would have to hear, so they can apply it to their life, so they may come to know you who died on the cross for them so that one day when their name is called, they may be with you eternally. In Jesus' name we ask and thank you. Amen. Welcome back to Challenges of Faith radio program. I'm Gary McCann. Thank you for joining. We're talking about old oh, salvation. And I know you was listening to the words of the song. I know you were. Oh, in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 23, please write it down. Please write it down for you. Pastor behind the pulpit or in the pew or whatever cult or cult ism out there, wherever you happen to reside globally, can tell you anything. You want to know for yourself. But the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, he didn't come with a message of deliverance to announce, but rather he brought a a bad message, a tragic message. Why was it tragic? because it was of judgment. And when you really think about his message, and you go back in time, you look, and then you turn around and look for today, so dangerous was his message that people hearing it called him a traitor, said, what? Yep. And the reason why they did, because he was misunderstood, are you today? He was persecuted, are you He was arrested and imprisoned, you not just one time, but more than once. You remember what it was for? Oh, I know you're going to know because you're going to find out when you get in the Scriptures, right? And his life was also in danger. Did you remember when you came to know the Lord? Did the pastor tell you the rest of the story for the cause of Jesus Christ and not for something we're doing or have done? But the nation of Israel did not want to hear the truth. But Jeremiah told them plainly that they were defying the Lord, disobeying the law. And as a result, they were destined for judgment, you know, accountability. Now, before I continue on, since I've been talking a long time this morning, before the program. I had to take a sip of my water. And you think about it when you, as a loving parent, to so your loving child or children, or you could be an employer or a mentor or whomever you happen to be, and the person or persons is, is not heeding that sound advice you're giving them. And you know that as a result, something is going to happen from an accountability. It's kind of like, You keep running that stop sign or red light. You know it's going to come a time where you're going to hit somebody or somebody's going to hit you. But here was a case where a nation, you know, a nation is comprised of individuals, irrespective of the skin tone, gender, zip code, title. Like where you live at. But Jeremiah's work was not an easy one because he had the sound, guess what, the death nail for his nation. Think about that which was on his shoulders that God gave him. And how about in your life today? What has God laid on you as an assignment for somebody? Maybe it's a place of worship. Maybe in your home, out there in your neighborhood, out there in the community, out there in the education world, in the job, out there in the political world. But Jeremiah denounces the people. He denounces the priests. He denounces the princes. Guess what for? For their sins, you know, evil thoughts, words, and deeds against God. Idolatry. Remember, you got up today. Those who understand God gave you another day. But who did you have first on your mind? Did you have the love of money, the love of title? the love of materialism, the love of a person. What did you have first on your mind that has become idolatry before God? Well, the nation of Judah had turned her back on the Lord and was following, you know, who led them to worship idols. Who did God through his Holy Spirit bring to your heart and mind in your country or in your country? Oh, in your country and mine. There's leading people wrong, down the wrong path. People were searching for the truth. They've tried everything else under the sun. But their salvation was not in the pagan idols on the hills. Think about the Heathen, little G gods could not even deliver them. Could you imagine the person you're praying for, you know,
0: Now you know I was gonna tell a
1: story. Father and the son. It could be a mom and a daughter. It was a father and a son. And each day the father would make the son go and worship their idols, you know, stones, bricks, stones. They had a right to worship the dad. And the son always had a problem with it and and so one day when the son really had a problem with it, he expressed it to his father. And his father chewed him out, told him, don't you ever talk about our gods like that again. So the same day the dad left, and while he was gone, Luke, his son was angry. So his son went in the room where the, the stones were, and he took a stick, and he crushed all of them to pieces, and he, he left one. He put the stick in one's hand. A little bit later on, the father came home and the son heard this loud screaming noise. He ran into where his father was, and his father, he said, "Well, who did this? Who did this to our guns?" He said, "He did." Then he stopped. The dad did. And then the dad continued and screaming, "Who did this to these rocks?" The son said, "Dad, it must have been the that the one sitting there with the stick in his hand." The father told the son, that's crazy. It couldn't have been that, that woman's sticker's hand because it's nothing but a stone. Nothing but a rock. The son said, Dad, that's what I've been trying to tell you all along while you was calling them our gods. The heathen gods would not and could not deliver them, the children of Israel. Especially as far as bringing them salvation. Because the idols had cost them their cattle and even their children whom they had sacrificed to them. And the hope of their salvation was their destruction. You got to think about it. their idols brought them nothing but shame. And the question you got to ask and answer in your life, you're lying there on your deathbed, you're lying there on your sickbed. Only you know what's going on in your life. All hope seems to be going away and gone. You want that kind of salvation? You're going to rely on something that can't help you. All men and women, women and men need salvation. But what do you have or what do you want in a salvation? Me, I want a salvation that's been established in the Word of God. And not only in the Word of God, but on the Word of God. Could you imagine,
0: remember the
1: two thieves on the cross? One believed. And when the Lord translated over, that one thief absent from the body. Revenue with the Lord in accordance with the word. But I'm not interested in a salvation based upon a church or some ritual. i want a salvation that's based upon that which will not change. Think about that, you man, you woman, you woman, you man, going to change. Triality. You know, don't put them on a the pedestal. So, you know, I remember my pastor. I started out young. And he said, uh, newly married, teenager, he said, because uh, I I'll always come and get advice. He said, listen, <clears throat> don't put your eyes on me. He said, because God would cause me to fall down so you can get your eyes off of me and put them back on him. He said, oh, by the way, go home and and, and let your hair down. And open up. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, established in God's presence. Beyond the possibility of change. And you can see that in Matthew chapter 10, 35. We're going to let you know heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Peter chapter 1, verse 25 says, but the word of the Lord, not the word of Gary. Gary doesn't have a word. Not the word of your pastor, the pew member, the priest the rabbi, the human teacher, or the imam. But the word of the Lord endure forever, not temporary. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Remember, good news, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're talking about inspired word of God, God God-breathed, infallible. You're talking about the word that can be holy, trustworthy, and reliable. Not some man, some woman, some woman, some man. We're going to let you down. When we're talking about an inerrant, free-from-error word, you're talking about, think about it. Think about how powerful this book is on earth, not just in your country, not just in your home, your neighborhood, or at your place of worship on earth. You're talking about the greatest book on earth. You know why? Think about it. You're an author. You're an author. You're an author. I'm an author. But guess what? doesn't make a difference what we write. The Word of God, its author, is God. Its truth is divine, inspired in every word. Oh, and a line as well. And though written by human hands under the power of the Holy Spirit of God, guess what? It's eternal in its composition. It's inerrant in its content. It's impeccable in its character. Think about it. The Bible is a book above and beyond all books. Think about how it's expressible in value immeasurable in influence, infallible in authority and inspired in totality. Think about over these centuries, way before you and I were here, but century after century, men have tried to burn it, tried to bury it. Kings, little old kings, you know their titles, whatever your title is. But the kings of the earth, you know, they set themselves against it to destroy from the face of the earth. But guess what? It liveth and abideth forever, because its truth is truth by none ever was refuted, and no matter how they try to destroy it, it doesn't happen. Do you know? You know I got to tell another story. But the story is told about a visitor, and that visitor had toured a blacksmith shop, and they were looking at all the heaps of discarded hammers. But only one huge anvil, he asked. How often do you replace your anvil? With a smile, the owner replied, never. It's the anvil that wears out the hammers, you know. And so, my brethren, household of faith, and those of you who don't know him who died for you, so it's the word of God. The hammers of persecution, ridicule, liberalism, and atheism have for centuries, including today, pounded out their vicious blows upon the divine anvil, but to no avail. There they lie, and pows, while the mighty anvil of the scripture still stands, unbroken, unshaken, unchipped. You know, Voltaire once said, or well, this may say Voltaire, another century and there would not be a Bible on the earth. Well, guess what? The century is gone. The circulation of the Bible was one of the marvels of the age. And after he had died, Voltaire, his old printing press in the very house where he lived, guess who it was purchased by? Guess who it was bought by? You guess? All right. It was purchased by the Geneva Bible Society, and it was made a warehouse for Bible. The word of God is clear over in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. I know you wrote it down. The grass withered, the flower faded, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So think about it. If you want a salvation that's going to erase your sins, you know, evil thoughts, words, and deeds. So think about it. You can go 23 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds without thinking wrong, saying wrong, doing wrong. You're not going to make it at last second. You're still a sinner in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about it. all have sin, irrespective of who comes to your heart and mind. But you got to remember, put that mirror up to you while you're casting stones, throwing sticks to somebody else. But one of the truly great and far-reaching blessings of God's salvation is what? Is what? What does it do to sin? Think about it. Now you are a repenting sinner, not with crocodile tears, but genuine from the heart. So now, as a repenting sinner, now all of a sudden you are immediately and eternally saved from the accountability, from the penalty of sin because it was provided with victory over the power of sin, you know, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what else he did? He guaranteed that final removal from the presence of sin. Think about it. No pastor, no priest, no rabbi, no iman, no human teacher, no pope, no water can banish your sins, evil thoughts were to deeds. So our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, think about it. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He paid your sin debt, oh, yours too. oh oh don't have yours too. Yours, mine too. The Word of God is full of passages that describe what our Savior can do with our sin. The Word says in Psalms 108, verse 12, As far as the east from the west, so far have he removed our transgressions from us. Now think about The north-south measure is finite, not so with the east-west measure. But think about it. Sin is removed so far, so far. The very memory of it, gone. But you know, that two-legged person, apart from, you know, you're getting it right with them, that two-legged person may not forgive you, irrespective of who comes to your heart and mind. That's a lot of power you're giving them. But when our Lord does it, think about it. The devil still has permission to go before the throne of grace and mercy every day accusing you as a believer of the household of you and you and you. Oh, and me too. He's not accusing his own because you got to remember now, according to the word. The devil has his own children, according to the word. The devil has his own pastors, according to the word. But he goes before the throne and he accuses you, you, you and me. And our Savior stepped forth because of what he did, shedding his blood for you and me. Case dismissed by our Father. Our Savior paid it all. Hate it all. Won't you come to the altar? You can. You can this moment. Think about last week's message about the assignment. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, go listen to it. See the -the behind-the-scenes battle, demonic battle, warfare, spiritual warfare with angels and demons over your soul or with the believer, the believer from presenting the word so that you can be saved. You know, God takes his word, utilizing the Holy Spirit of God through that child of God that surrendered to produce another child of God, you. And you too. And you. All right, guys. So let's let's settle down, some. We need you to sing this song with us. Listen up.
0: Listen up.